Please be seated. Please be seated. God is good. God is so good. As we are, um, I'm I'm excited for this holy month, right? In the Christian calendar, this month is very important. Um, but it may not be in the school calendar, right? Because from now on till the last week, you're going to have uh, what you call spring break. Right? And spring break is going to affect the church because people are going to travel with their families and they've been waiting for spring break. Uh, but it, even as our family members are traveling for spring break and for holiday, we pray for them. Some of us are not he- here. Next week, some of us will not be here. And the next week, some of us will not be here. But may the love of God follow them during this holy month. Right? So are you ready? Yes. Okay. Um, that at the end of the holy month, the last week of April, let us pray that God will do great things again in this church. That we can see transformation changes, uh, life saved, uh, rededication, and people finding their way back home. Right? Can we pray for that? Yes. Okay. Um, I want to read from uh, Mark chapter 8 verse 31. Let me read it for you. You just listen to the word of God. Mark eight thirty-one. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. Right? So for the Son of Man, what what will what will he go through? He must suffer. He must be rejected. He will be killed. I want to concentrate on these three words today suffering, rejection, being killed. Uh, as we follow Jesus Christ into this season, um of the holy, holy month, we I want us to follow Christ in this journey. So we go into the temple in Jerusalem, we we which we also know as the Palm Sunday, and then we follow Him to the garden. We follow Him uh, to the cross. We follow Him to the resurrection, and then after. So this is what we're going to do this whole month. So I'm very excited. All right, now are you guys ready? To receive the word of God? Yeah? Let's hear it again. You ready? Yes, yes. <laughs> wow. Okay, just to wake your spiritual soul up. Um, so last week, one of our church members uh, forgot the, uh, his uh, cell phone in my office. And uh, he had gone. It was in the night. And I happened to check the email as I was made, waiting for our kids and say, oh, pastor, I forgot your, I forgot my phone is sitting by the table. And, and so I texted him and said, I'm still at the church. You can come and get your phone. I'll wait for you. <laughs> I waited and nobody showed up. <laughs> I thought he didn't like me at all, right? So I've been called many names. After that, his pastor is a dingbat. <laughs> That's a new name I got this week. So, 
Here's your ding bad preaching to you this morning, right? Okay, now you're awake. You're ready to receive God, right? Suffering is not a bad word. Okay? Suffering is not a bad word. Suffering is not negative. Suffering is not a sin. Suffering is good for you and I. Suffering is good for your soul. Suffering is good for your spirit. And I want you to embrace suffering in your life. Suffering is not making you look bad in the world. Suffering is not because you haven't achieved things that God has planned for you. Suffering is not because you're not good enough. Suffering is good for our soul. Suffering is good for our spirit. Suffering shapes us into who God wants us to be. Suffering brings us nearest to the heart of God. Suffering with compassion brings us closest to the heart of God. When you suffer for Christ, you are nearest to the heart of God. It is where your soul language to understand the language of God. Suffering, my friends, is what we need to cleanse our soul and to become the person that we need to be. In fact, suffering is an ear for the soul. Suffering is food for the soul. And you might have looked negatively at suffering, and I want to change that perspective today and let you know why suffering is good. When, if we have to triumph like Christ, we have to suffer with Him. In following Jesus, living in the resurrection, living in the power of His resurrection, is a big part of it is suffering. And I want to talk about the suffering of Christ. When we talk about the suffering of Christ, we always think think about the cross. The death of the cross, you know, uh, the... Uh, the, the brutal murder that took place, or the flocking, the crown of thorns. No, Christ suffered long before that. I will talk about the cross and the suffering later, but today I want to talk about the suffering that he had endured even way before he was put to trial. That he was hanged on the cross. Way before that. I want to talk about suffering. In fact, Jesus suffered even before he was born. You know, many of your psychologists, you have read about this, that a baby can feel the trauma even when they are in the mother's womb. And did Jesus feel suffering and trauma? In some way, yes. Because there was some uncertainty about Mary, Joseph was deciding whether to uh, marry uh, to marry Mary. There is a trauma there. When Herod was killing boys, they had to flee to Egypt. There is trauma already. Jesus understood trauma and suffering even before he was cognizant as an adult. He had already suffered. So there are things that I want to bring out today. Jesus suffering in the hands of his family members. One, okay? Second thing, Jesus suffering in the hands of his friends. Jesus suffering in the hands of his country people, countrymen. Jesus suffering in the hands of religious leader, the power. And Jesus suffering in the hands of his enemy. I want to talk about this. Now, did you ever think that Jesus suffered in the hands of his families? 
family members you may not know this but I tell you that the family members including his brothers and sisters they did not believe that Jesus was the son of God this was very clear Jesus had unbelieving family members when you read in John chapter 7 verse 5 actually it says that they did not believe that Jesus was the son of God Mark chapter 6 read from 3 to 6 onward right they were offended by what he did in fact they were embarrassed what Jesus did and what Jesus was doing that his brothers and sisters that are not named in the Bible and family they all went to bring Jesus home because they were embarrassed about what he was doing outside preaching and teaching they were sarcastic to Jesus Christ the brothers told why don't you go to your disciples and perform the things that you say you will perform Mark chapter 6 read it 3 to 6 they were not only sarcastic they were offended and embarrassed by the Lord Jesus Christ you will suffer in your life for the truth in the hands of your family members And this is more painful than anything. Because if you suffer in the hands of a stranger or strangers, you don't really, it doesn't really hurt that much because they go away. You don't get to see them. But your family members, you live with them every day. Every day you live with them. And when you start suffering for the truth because of your family members, I want you to look at the Lord Jesus Christ. How he triumphed over it. I will talk about the triumph. How he triumphed over his brothers. The head of the church. James. How did they come about that? Right? But I told you. as, And I'm telling you again. That Jesus had unbelieving family members. The son of God. The God of the universe. His sisters and brothers. Could not believe it. They did not believe. They believed only after the resurrection. Only after the resurrection they believed that he was the son of God. But all the years, 33 years. They talked at him sarcastically. They were embarrassed with him. They were offended. And how did Jesus respond to that? How did Jesus respond to to that they, he responded with compassion to his family members see when you suffer for God for the truth with compassion let me tell you this a great time of harvest is coming did you hear that yes. when you suffer for the truth if some of you are suffering for the truth this morning Let me remind you that a great time of harvest is on the way. Right? Take courage. Look to Christ and see. So suffering in the hands of family members. That is suffering. And many of you have been suffering. But be encouraged. It's going to shape you into the person that God wants you to be. Your compassion will grow. Your heart will grow. If you do not talk back to them 
or sarcastically retort back to them. But if you suffer with compassion, you did not find in the Bible that Jesus talked back to his brothers and sisters. Not one. He suffered quietly, as it's written in Isaiah 53, right? He was taken. He was slaughtered like a lamb. Silent. Let's move to the friend, right? Um, suffering with patience leads to salvation. Okay? And Jesus' mothers and brothers and sisters were all gathered at the upper room waiting for the promised one. That is Acts chapter 1 verse 14. Now these unbelieving brothers and sisters, where were they now? When Jesus had ascended, ascended to heaven, they were there gathered at the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit. And you find the brothers and sisters, including the mother, and they named her Mary. They were all there. How did they get there? It's because of the patience of our Lord Jesus Christ that led them to salvation. Suffering with suffering in the hands of the friends. In Mark 14, verse 50. Mark 14, verse 50. Then they all forsook him and fled. Who fled? They all forsook him and fled. Mark 14, verse 50, right? They fled. All the disciples have fled. They ran away. They forsook the Lord Jesus Christ. These were the friends. That were supposed to, oh Lord, I'll die for you. They may not die for you, these guys, but me, Peter, I, I will die for you. Right? I will die for you. Well, they're all gone. None of them are there. Your friends will, for, you will suffer in the hands of your friends. And even these friends that he has selected and prayed for, they were not with him till the end. They forsook him. But you find Jesus at the end when he resurrected. Beautiful. Right? In John. And uh, he was by the sea and he's preparing a breakfast. John 21. And he called the disciples to come and eat. He said, I made, I made the breakfast for you. And he took a walk with Peter. And he asked him, do you love me? Three times. And say, feed my sheep. See? Even though his friends have abandoned him, he had compassion on them. And his compassion restores Peter and the disciples. Sometimes, when we suffer for Christ and when we are suffering for the truth, especially with friends and families, this is often what we happen. When we talk about salvation and gospel and transformation, we start in the beginning coolly and nicely, and then you, the level of your voice will go up. Right? Your voice will raise because they are retorting back to you, and suddenly you realize that you are yelling the gospel at your family and friends. You are yelling at them your pitch-high raised voice. 
and it's no longer good news. Why? Because you are trying to defend your faith, right? How many of you like to defend your faith? Well, don't raise your hand because I have to come back. Say, I have to defend my faith. I have to defend God. And we are raised, many of, our, many of us are raised to defend our faith and to defend God. And we get angry when people uh, talk about God in a negative way. And you want to come back with the coolest, wisest, or smartest answer to tear them down that you are a smart Christian and you want to defend your faith and defend God. How about this? How about you display your faith? How about you display God? We are called to display the love of God. To display our faith. When people see what we display, you do not have to defend. And part of why we defend our faith so much and angry at people when they attack our faith or when they don't agree our faith is because we don't want to suffer. We don't want to display compassion. We don't want to display patience. We don't want to display what God has done for us. We have not embraced suffering. Oh, I got to go. There is so much suffering in the hands of friends, right? Suffering with compassion restore those who are suffering. Jesus restored Peter. Uh, And now I want to talk about the suffering in the hands of our uh, countrymen, your own people. In Mark chapter 6, verse 4, what did he say? A prophet is not without honor in his own country. In his own country, right? A prophet is not without honor except his own country. Mark chapter 6, verse 4. He tried to heal and do miracles in his own country. And it did not happen. And he had to say, not, not only his country, he added his relatives and his friends. Those were there. Relatives and friends. But I want to talk about the country. But what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? When his countrymen did not believe in him, what did Jesus do? He was committed to the mission of God. What was that mission? He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. He said that I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. He came primarily for the Jewish people in his work. Not that he didn't care for the whole world, but his primary mission. He came to the Jew, to the house of Israel, to fulfill the law and the prophets. Did he do it? Yes. He silently suffered the misunderstanding The mistreatment that he was despised by his own people because he wanted to fulfill the law and the prophets. Right? Suffering in the hand of his own people. He was committed because Matthew 5, 17, Jesus was committed to fulfill the law and the prophets and and be rejected by the priest and the scribes and the elders. He was rejected by the leaders. He's suffering in the hands of power. As church member, you can be suffering under the hand of the pastor. 
right? Worship minister, family pastor, youth pastor, because we are in, we seem to have the title of the power. You may be suffering, because sometimes religious people want to keep the tradition, the practices, the ritual. And when those things are threatened, then they use their power to subjugate. And you could be suffering here as church members. Or other religious leaders. Jesus suffered under religious leaders. Jesus knew he would be despised and be rejected. And be killed. Mark 8.31. And he was killed on the cross. Right? So, I want to sum this up for you. And, and uh, for the application part. I want to sum this um, Jesus gave himself up as a ransom for many. So how many of you want to live like Jesus, right? I want to live like Jesus. How many of you want to live like Jesus? If you say, I want to live like Jesus, this is what I want to say to you. When you suffer, when you suffer for the sake of the truth, you are confirmed to the image of God and image of Jesus. See? So to be confirmed to the image of God and to be confirmed as Christ, suffering is a necessity. Necessity. The conformity to the image of Christ and God comes through suffering. So we can't say, I want to live like Jesus minus suffering. It doesn't work that way. You want to be like Christ. You want to be lived like Jesus. You suffer so you can be confirmed through the work of the Holy Spirit. And you say, I want to be comforted by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a comforter. Right? I want, I want the Holy Spirit to comfort me. But the thing is, we like the comfort of the world. We like the comfort of the world. That's the reason why we're not suffering for Christ. And since we have not been suffering for Christ or unwilling to suffer for Christ, we have been not confirmed to the image of God. Because the, the comfort of the world brings our complacency. You know, the, when the world comforts you, you are not going to be, you're not willing to uh, uh, suffer for Christ. But when the Holy Spirit comforts you, when the Holy Spirit comforts you, what comes? Contentment comes. And why we are not contented in much, in less, is because we have not suffered. We may have a lot, but still we are not content. We wanted more, more, more. Right? I want to be comforted by the Holy Spirit. What can help me in my suffering? If you are asking this question, what can help me in my suffering? Even Jesus Christ, what helped him when he was suffering? In Hebrew chapter 12, it's written beautifully. He was despised. He endured rejection and uh, being despised and despising the shame, Hebrew 12, 1 to 2. And he said, why? Because of the joy that was set before him. When you suffer, what is in front of you? If you don't have a goal, 
then you will not want to suffer. For Christ, He knew that He has to die. He wanted to die. He was willing to die because of the joy that was set before Him. That's why He was quiet. He did not retort back. He did not use His power against His enemy to destroy them. But He willingly offered Himself up because of the joy that was set before Him. The joy of the salvation. The joy of the salvation for the entire universe. For the world. That He who calls upon the name of God, that believe in the Son of God, will be saved. This patience and compassion that brought salvation, that joy was set before Him. That's why He was able to go through the suffering. Right? Now, what is it that is in front of you when you suffer? And if we don't have these things, if we don't have a go, if we don't have our understanding of what we suffer for, then we will crumble. We will fall. We will complain. Why is it me that I'm suffering? Why are bad things happening to me? That's what we ask. Now suffering is not a sin. That's what I started. Suffering is not bad. But suffering can happen two ways. When you suffer for God. For no wrongdoing. That's the most difficult thing. When you suffer for no wrongdoing, that's the most difficult thing. But you suffer sometimes because of your action. Miriam. Miriam suffered in the hand of God because she wanted to oppose Moses. Right? And Job suffered for God with no wrongdoing. These are very separate things. Sometimes in life you're going to suffer because of your mistakes. But you will also suffer for no wrongdoing. And that's the most difficult suffering that you will go through. So suffering is not a sin. How many of you would like to reign with Jesus? With reign with Christ, right? 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 12. If you suffer with Him, you will also reign with Him. Okay? If you suffer with Him, you will also reign with Him. If you deny Him, He will also deny you. In verse 13, He says, If you are faithless, He will remain faithful because He cannot deny Himself. Our God is faithful. He cannot deny His character and nature. You suffer with Him and you will reign with Him. In Matthew 10, 22, say, You will be hated by the world. John 15, 21, For my name's sake, you will be hated. You will suffer all these things. So suffering is not a popular word, right? In the church and for all of us. But as we get ready to have this table, I want to say this, suffering brings, brings clarity, okay? When you suffer for God, it brings clarity of why you exist. And why you live. Suffering cleanses our soul. Suffering brings you closest to the heart of God. When you suffer with compassionate heart. And you want to be confirmed like Christ. Then we must share in the suffering of Christ. So today. Can uh, the leaders that are going to help in the communion. Can you come? So today. If you are suffering in the hands of your family members. If you're suffering in the hands of your friends, your own countrymen, leaders, and enemy, 
I want you to look at Christ. Set Christ in front of you. Set the joy of the Lord in front of you. Then you will endure. And you will be shaped and confirmed into the image of God. And you will also reign with Him. Those who endure and share in the suffering of Christ will be saved. That's the Word of God.